The story is told of an African-American man standing at the bottom of the steps outside a stately church on a busy street. He was looking at the doors of the sanctuary and scratching his head, and he had a befuddled look on his face. As the man stood there at the church, Jesus himself came by, and seeing the confused man, went up to him and asked him, What's troubling you, my friend? The man, not realizing that he was talking to Jesus, answered, They told me that I couldn't get into their church because I'm black. Oh, said Jesus, don't be surprised by that. I've been trying to get into that church for years and they won't let me in either. Clearly, any church that does not address the issues of racism slams the door on Jesus. We are continuing this, ser- this series, sermons, on following Jesus without embarrassing God, and there remains plenty of evidence that we have done more embarrassing of God than following Jesus on the issues of race. In these days when we're celebrating 50 years since Selma and 50 years or more since the Voting Rights Act was passed and more than 60 years since Brown versus Board of Education, you might wonder if we are having a 50th renewal of racism in these days with some of the events that are happening. Clearly, Clearly, we have a lot of work to do as we follow Jesus and not embarrass God. Clearly, we have a lot of work to do lest we keep slamming the door on Jesus. In the recent weeks, two very important books have been shaping my thoughts and shaping my prayers and inspiring some of my actions on the subject of race and Jesus. Benjamin Watson plays tight end for the New Orleans Saints. He's an African-American. He grew up in Virginia Beach. He attended the University of Georgia on a football scholarship, and he, played a, he has played already, still playing, 11 seasons in the NFL. And Watson has recently written a book entitled Under Our Skin, Getting Real About Race and Getting Free from the Fears and the Frustrations that Divide Us. The book is full of honesty and it's full of anger. The book is full of sensitivity and sympathy. And it has so many insights about the complex issues of race in our hearts and race in our culture. Watson is also a Christian, the son of a preacher. So his faith is quite prominent in the book. But so are his expressions of anger and anxiety and insight and also his hope. Here's a key point from Benjamin Watson. And I quote, There's a feeling in white America that everything is equal now. But black people know in their bones that there's still a residue of neo-slavery that sticks to so much of life. America's not segregated like it used to be 50 or 60 years ago, but says Watson, black people are still limited by the quality of their schools 
And we know that all too well in this city. He says black people are often grouped into segregated voting districts. And we know that all too well in this state. And he says black people, he says a disproportionate number of black people are rotting in prison, another form of segregation, end quote. Watson, with grace and care, makes the point that we tend to argue about poverty and we tend to argue about education and we tend to argue about our prison systems, but we need to deal with racism because racism is at the heart of all those issues. He says we are, quote, all guilty. We, are, we all have malice deep down and we all harbor wrong attitudes towards others. It's about race and it's about the human heart. Watson tries to make all these points by sharing honestly about his own journey, his anger and his anxiety, his frustrations, his fears, his hopes, his dreams. And he talks about Ferguson, and he talks about Charleston, and he talks about Baltimore, and he talks about uh, tragic experiences with police that he's had, and lots of other current issues. And he says, quote, the solution to the problem of race in America will only be found by ordinary people, good people, looking inside themselves, being honest about the assumptions and the biases that have formed and beginning to change what is in their hearts. Change what's in their hearts. So after honest rants and reasonable words and lots of fears and frustrations that he shares, the final chapters of his book are entitled Hopeful, Encouraged, and Empowered. The other book that I've been reading is a new book by a white public theologian and prophet, Jim Wallace, from the Sojourners community in Washington, D.C., and his newest book is called America's Original Sin, with the subtitle, Racism, White Privilege, and the Bridge to a New America. Here's a key line from Jim Wallace. White people need to stop talking so much. Stop defending the systems that protect and serve us and stop saying, I'm not racist. Loving our neighbors means identifying with their suffering, meeting them in it, and working together to change it. Jim Wallace says it's time for white Christians to be more Christian than white. He says that whites have to recognize how much we have benefited from White privilege. By white privilege, this is the idea that certain benefits, certain assumptions, certain rights come automatically to white people because of skin color. Or to put it another way, black people have to deal with many more barriers and many more challenges and many more suspicions simply because of their skin color. Wallace pushes us that white America has to be honest about how white privilege is a descendant of white supremacy. These are all issues that hamper our faith and hamper our community and our civility and our city. And Wallace challenges the church. The church made progress helping uh, dismantle obvious forms of bigotry. We can celebrate that. Uh, but we have also not been committed, he says, to real truth and real reconciliation. The church has been complicit, and that complicity 
haunts us as we strive to serve Jesus. Wallace says the church has to be a source of truth for a nation that's lost its way on this subject. Much of this conversation about race and the challenges for faithful people uh, has become very local recently. There was the infamous video that stirred the pot on white privilege through the Enrico County School Board, and the school board apologized to parents, and then other leaders around the community wondered why the apology. The video prompted an important conversation on race and the complexities that we face. Then there's the continuing debate in our city about the name of the Harry Bird Middle School, named for the senator who led the massive resistance movement. Then there's been the recent release of the movie Race, the double entendre there about Jesse Owens in the 1936 Olympics where he won four gold medals. It's a great movie, well worth seeing, by the way. It reminds us again of our checkered history and just how far we still have to go. And, of course, we had our well-attended and we had our passionate conversation with our partner church just last Saturday at Ebenezer Baptist in Jackson Ward. And all these subjects and issues around us locally demand us to continue in these lively and faithful reflections about the important and challenging topic of race. It's still ours to deal with. We need to make sure that we don't slam the door on Jesus or embarrass God as we seek a way forward on race and improve relations and reconciliation. There's a beautiful piece of scripture that seems in light of the mess we tend to make on issues of race. There's a beautiful piece of scripture that seems to speak with pertinence and direction to us today it comes from Ephesians and it comes from chapter 2 and it's just a few verses listen for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of God not the result of work so that no one may boast for we are what God has made us created us in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. This is the word of the Lord. I'm trusting that as good and faithful Christians, you've heard these words before. By grace, you have been saved through faith. It's not the result of works. It's not the result of your own doing. No one can boast. It's all grace. It's all God. God saves. God saves us. It's all grace. But when we hear these words in the context of the subject of race, the loud, the problematic, the haunting failures of the church and the culture with, which leave us with so much work to do to build a just society, well, I hope, I pray that these words of the gospel summed up in those few verses can really and truly penetrate our hearts, get through our lives and begin to work on us and change us. We are saved by grace. It's not our own doing. So we cannot boast. 
And God has created us for good works, which must be absolutely about healing and reconciliation and wholeness and hope on this complex subject of race, which continues to divide and hurt and probably embarrass God. Saved by grace. Saved by grace. Created for good works. We have so much to do. And it's so much more about saying more than we're not racist. It's so much more than that. We have so much to do than say saying we're not racist. We have to make sure our culture isn't racist. And that's a big job, because we've got lots of work to do there. We can't just reach across the racial aisle and celebrate the partnerships and the connections that we have, as good and wonderful it is to be connected to Ebenezer. We need, each of us, where we live, where we work, and together as a church in the city, a congregation, of light and a beacon of hope for God, we have all of us to keep looking for ways to bring real change, real justice, real possibility. We need to invest ourselves and keep investing ourselves in the journey of racial reconciliation, of working sincerely for a better world. I'm so delighted that so many of you have said you have You came away from the event last Saturday at Ebenezer with someone to know better, someone to eat lunch with or plan dinner with. This is wonderful. It's a great start because it's so easy for us to remain in our segregated lives. On Monday, Thursday, in just a few weeks, we are hosting Ebenezer right here. And our choirs are singing together and we're gathering at the Lord's table again like we did last year, but this year it's here. And this will give us another chance to build real connections and strengthen this partnership and make it really personal. But we have to do more than that. Jesus always expects faithful disciples to be assessing their lives. And we have to assess our lives. Where are we stuck in white privilege? Where can we bend our structures around us so that our lives and our city look more like justice and equality? What can we do in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, around our places of influence, wherever that might be, to reflect God's longing for justice and equality for everybody. As a city church, we have to be advocates for our city schools. As people who have been so blessed, we're called to be a blessing, not just feeding people on Mondays, but working for racial justice. We have to raise questions. We have to uh, make changes in society that reframe the way all people are treated for equal justice and equal opportunity. We want to serve God in ways that change the imbalance that currently exists. We need to find ways to build bridges across the dividing walls. We need to pray for God's direction with our partnership so that 50 years from now, we're not still so divided. We have to allow God to lead us into places that make us uncomfortable. 
because we have so far to go toward racial reconciliation. Jim Wallace says it's time for white Christians to be more Christian than white. Benjamin Watson says the key to any progress on racism is the word intentional. Intentional. We have work to do. By grace, we have been saved through faith. It's not our doing. It's God's doing. And we are created for good work, serving God. We want to follow Jesus and not embarrass God. That means working and striving and focusing on more wholesome and hopeful connections that make for a more wholesome and hopeful world, especially in the area of race. May God inspire us. May God empower us. May God indeed lead us toward the coming reign of Christ our Lord, which is undoubtedly a reign of equality and justice and hope for all people. May it be so. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. The presence and the power of your Spirit claim us, O God. The presence and the power of your Spirit call us to deeper love and more light and more justice and more peace following Jesus. We commit our lives to that way. Amen.